and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm Sarah Prattley. Peter will be back next week. Today on the show, we have Sam Keller and Steve Kohlhart. Sam is an intelligence analysis specialist and IT engineer consultant at InSource Services, Inc. And Steve is the associate professor in the College of Emergency Preparedness, Homeland Security, and Cybersecurity at the University at Albany. Sam was a student in Steve's program when he decided to launch research into one of the hottest topics of the year, AI. Together with their colleague, Michael Young, Sam and Steve authored a recent article based on their research published in Lawfare called What ChatGPT Can and Can't Do for Intelligence. I invited them on the show to discuss their findings and how organizations can leverage AI in their intelligence gathering today. Let's listen in. Sam and Steve, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thank you for having me as well. So I am incredibly excited to talk to you both about this topic today. In leading the global intelligence team here at Alert Media, I certainly have a vested interest in what artificial intelligence means for the present and the future of the work that we are doing here, that my team is doing. And I'm sure we're going to learn a ton from this episode and everything that you guys are going to be able to share. So let's go ahead and start by laying some of the groundwork. It seems like the topic of AI is coming up on a daily basis. And according to recent research studies, 35% of organizations are currently using AI, and 71% think it's a total game changer for businesses. Steve, what are your initial thoughts when you hear those numbers? Yeah, so Sarah, that's a pretty startling statistic. I guess kind of the first thing that I think about is what, when we talk about AI, what exactly are we talking about? You know, are we talking about organizations using deep learning, for example? Are they talking about LLMs or large language models, which we'll talk about more in a moment? So I guess kind of the first thing I think about is what are they talking about? What does the person have in their mind? But kind of setting aside that for a second and focusing on where we're at with LLMs, I think the challenge is really going to be how do we integrate AI, for example, LLMs into organizations? And what I mean by that is bring this technology into standard operating procedures, how businesses do business. So... You can think about this specifically of like, well, how workers are actually going to use the technology day to day. It's just something we try to get at with our piece by experimenting a little bit with LLMs in the context of intelligence analysis. Or for those who have higher level responsibilities like analyst managers, how do they think about LLMs? What did they know about them? And so a good analogy for all this might be the beginning of personal computing that for a long time, before PCs were fully integrated into the business workforce, into organizations, they were kind of played around with. And it took a long time for them to be fully integrated into how businesses work. And so I think a lot of these caveats that we're going to talk about in this interview about safety and so forth are going to very much make me think of Hemingway's very famous quote of going broke gradually and then suddenly all at once, that it's going to take a while for us to really fully understand the implications of the technology. So, I mean, when I hear a statistic like that, I also think, okay, well, it's going to take a while for this technology to really have the impact that people think it's going to have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. There's definitely different perspectives and different kind of understandings. But what do you make of that, Sam? Honestly, I'm not shocked by those numbers. I work in the IT field. So what I'm seeing is major industry leaders like Microsoft or Amazon, they're naturally incorporating different variations of AI in their products. 
and it's making it more accessible for end users such as intelligence analysts, cybersecurity specialists, and just anybody who uses their platforms. And what I'm seeing is more organizations are using AI mainly because it can help scale their processes that are limited by typically you have a small team and you're trying to do as much as you can with what little you have. But in that same vein of thought with new tech, there's always a learning curve. I feel some jobs might change some folks might need to learn some new skills. Plus, we've got to be sure we're using AI in the right way, especially when it comes to safety. So while AI is super exciting, we've got to be thoughtful about how we're bringing it into our work. And just because Microsoft or somebody puts this brand new tool in the cybersecurity services area and you start using it, doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for your organization, especially if you're worried about compliance and regulations and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot there. Definitely that do more with less approach, it seems ripe for AI. There's definitely no question that organizations have a lot to gain from leveraging AI. Also lose, obviously, depending on the circumstances and the way it's being used. You actually said it great in your paper and your research. AI is both impressive and scarily intelligence all at once. I know I continue to feel that way the more that I look into it and read my own kind of readings out there. Talk to me about how this applies to intelligence. Why would threat analysts, security experts, risk managers really want to leverage AI in their organizations? Sam, why don't we start with you? I'm going to speak to AI. I'm going to be specific about LLMs just because that's the topic and focus of the paper, but it does apply to more versions of AI than that. And it kind of comes down to what is their capabilities? What is the return on investment you get from using them? And it's, uh, I'm going to use a bit of a, a library of book metaphor. So an AI like a ChatGPT or an LLM can summarize info effectively far more than an individual person can in terms of imagine your library and you need to read 100,000 books in a day. Well, as an individual, I can't do that. I personally can't do that. And the AI is just able to read these, this massive amount of data quickly and it can give us the main points, which is that summary. It can start making reports. It can start spotting on patterns. It can do mundane tasks. It can predict issues and it can be trained based on proprietary data. So in practice, it kind of looks like if you're looking for a specific type of report, like a tactical report or maybe a notification, you can alter the AI to look for a specific flag that says, hey, this is an incident. Give me the summary of the incident. Give me the highlights. And when you start implementing it at scale, when you're trying to give the power of an organization to a small team, AI is the only way you're going to really do that without adding tons and tons of manpower. Absolutely. I mean, definitely, you know, as you've mentioned, summarizing information, um, helping with research, there's a lot there that can really help in the space. So one AI tool that has been gaining a lot of popularity and attention is ChatGPT. I know y'all are very familiar with this. Steve, can you go ahead and explain to our audience members who might not be as familiar with this exactly how it works? And I know you guys have used the acronym LLM as well. If you want to weave that in there too, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to give a very high-level explanation. Disclaimer, I'm not a computer scientist. I'm a scholar of studies intelligence analysis. But yeah, so you can think about when you're working with ChatGPT, you're essentially working with the chat program. You just type into the chat window and ChatGPT will respond. For some of the millennial or older millennial listeners, for those of you that ever played with the AOL chatbot Smarter Child, it kind of has a feel like that where you type 
to the system and then the system provides output. And how ChatGPT has been developed, one way to kind of think about this is just through, and we talk about this in the piece, this idea of it's learning like an improvisational actor. So a moment ago, Sam was talking about this idea that like, okay, you have a lot of information and you want to be able to, for example, summarize that information. ChatGPT, what it does is is the people that created it, what they did was they provided it as if it were an improvisational actor, a ton of scripts, so a million scripts. And then like that improvisational actor, it's trying to predict essentially what the next word is going to be when it's providing an output based upon the text that has been inputted into it, which is a massive amount of information. So when we think about ChatGPT, and this is something we talk about in the piece a little bit, is that we want to be clear that we're not saying that it thinks like a human thinks. I think this is an important distinction that has to be made. When it summarizes, it doesn't necessarily summarize in the way that a human would summarize. There's this underlying technology that has helped build the model. And then that's where the, the large language model LLM acronym is coming in. And then there's additional things that the creator of ChatGPT, OpenAI, has done to improve the model, such as having human feedback. So to be able to improve it so that it will produce more valid output. And I know, I mean, there's there's so much to continue to learn about it. And it seems like it's changing and advancing every day. I know a lot of folks are going to want to read your article. I myself found it very interesting. Can you go ahead and give us a brief overview, Sam, of what exactly you found? Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to see how ChatGPT, this AI tool, held up in the world of intelligence. So we applied it against Colin Powell's rule for intelligence officers. The framework, simply put, is tell me what you know, tell me what you don't know, then you're allowed to tell me what you think. So we structured our article and our thought process and our experiments based upon those primary points. So when we break it down a bit at a high level, we found that it knows what it's trained on, biases included and is able to interact with content it's not trained on as well. The quality of the output that you get from it depends entirely on a number of factors, such as how you ask a question as much as what question you ask. So you have to be specific. It sometimes knows what it doesn't know. When we get down to that section, there are some clear boundaries where it will tell you it doesn't know something or to speak to an expert on the matter. And to Steve's earlier point, that has a lot to do with the human input on the training. So they trained it on tons of texts and they trained it with humans. And the humans are like, hey, this is a legal thing or this is a medical thing. We shouldn't be answering this. Let's say, hey, let's respond with point it to an expert. But it's not just that, just other things that shouldn't answer that a human input training is kind of given that guideline of don't answer this question. So beyond those boundaries, there is a bit of a gray area where a chat GBT will absolutely give a plausible but false answer. So these LLMs are trying to answer your questions one way or another. So they might provide misleading statements in situations where it doesn't acknowledge that knowledge boundary that it's either not supposed to cross or it just doesn't know what the answer is. So it'll be like, hey, this is the answer. And it's just not, it's not actually the answer. And then finally, when it comes to the thinking piece, as Steve noted earlier, it doesn't really think. It's not how it functions. We did find in that area that it has a lot of potential uses for things like providing feedback, playing devil's advocate, providing critiques, suggestions, coming up with first drafts of material. So a solid example is if you write an article or if you write a paper or let's say you write an email, email the first draft to your boss. 
you throw it in ChatGPT. If you ask it, can you provide critiques on how to make this better? Instead of just asking it to write a better email, it'll say, hey, you could have expanded on this or the tone in this is slightly negative. Is this what you want to convey? So if you ask the right questions, it'll provide you a critique to come out with a better product. It seems like y'all were definitely able to highlight a lot of the positives and negatives there. Sam, what led you to launch this research and why focus on ChatGPT specifically? Well, when I was in the master's program for information science at the University of Albany, I noticed something odd. No one had really studied the intelligence application of ChatGPT in depth. Given how popular and easy to use ChatGPT is, I was surprised at the lack of practical material out there. So I thought, why not dive in and write myself? And that's when I reached out to Steve to get his thoughts on the subject. Steve, when you think about all that you and the team learned, what can ChatGPT do for businesses when it comes to intelligence gathering? So we delve into this in, in the piece quite a bit, but I think that speaking to one of the things that Sam was saying earlier, I think a lot of the potential of the technology as it currently stands is to really be able to sift through a large amount of information, to do some of the type of day-to-day rapid reporting. Of course, you know this comes with all the caveats that, that we talk about in the piece, the importance of the data that you're using and how you're prompting the system and so forth. But I mean, I think as every practitioner knows in the intelligence world, you know, the, the big data problem is here. There's no getting around just the explosion of just the sheer amount of data that analysts have to go through and trying to sift through that. So there's an excellent factoid that we used in the piece that I just keep finding myself citing over and over again. It's so good. It's from a, an academic article where someone did some back-of-the-envelope calculations, and they were figuring that an analyst today, in order for them to just cover a second-tier country in their portfolio, they would have to basically be reading the entire day, and they would be doing nothing else, including sleeping or anything else, and they still wouldn't be able to get through all of it. And that was an article that was written eight years ago. So I think that where we have the most potential for LLMs, ChatGPT being an example with the caveats that we said, is that it can help with some of the more tedious aspects of summarizing and, and some of this more current reporting. I think, too, second thing to think about for businesses and for intelligence practitioners is that the technology can kind of be useful for a first draft. So one of the things that we explore is this idea of using ChatGPT as the first step towards red teaming. So we give the example in the piece of having ChatGPT take the persona of an adversary to be able to start thinking about how they would view a particular problem set. So this could be another business leader, this could be a head of state, this could be an extremist, and so forth. But I think it's really important to say that you know we're not saying that ChatGPT is replacing the subject matter expert here. We're just saying that this can really help analysts with the brainstorming, with really starting to think about problems, maybe in a new way that they might not have otherwise. Absolutely. Research and brainstorming definitely feel like two great areas. So we've clearly identified some of the benefits of leveraging AI in this space, but there is always another side. So Steve, what would you say are the risks associated with organizations leaning into AI maybe too much? Yeah, I'm going to go right back to one of the things I just said that was a benefit. (laughs) So I think that there's a real drawback in that the more and more, you know, assuming that LLMs like ChatGPT being an example of, the more we lean on them for things like summarizing, the more that can that can also hurt analyst skills themselves. Because you think about how do you become good at anything? You become good at it through repetition and through practice. And this includes summarization as well. 
So, you know, I say this too as a professor, someone who teaches future intelligence analysts that I think there's a real temptation to lose those skills in a way that, you know, maybe we've seen with other aspects of the analyst's job. So, for example, I think that with access to more specialized tools, analysts might be a little bit less willing to go out and find information themselves and then really go down the rabbit hole. But a lot of times that's what's necessary. You know, going through lots of YouTube videos, going through lots of social media posts. Sometimes that's absolutely necessary because while the technology is getting better, as we've talked about, and our ability to sift through it is getting better, it's still not at the point where it's going to fully replace a human sitting there really focusing, drilling down and grinding through the material. So I think that if we think about intelligence failures as so often failures of imaginations, one risk here is that LLMs could, in theory, limit our imagination, which anyone will tell you who's an intelligence practitioner, having that open mind and being able to see the world, not through LLM sifted information is going to be absolutely critical. And so that is one concern that I have. It seems definitely like legitimate concern, absolutely wanting to keep people sharp with their skills. And it certainly feels like the optimal approach, maybe as we talk, is taking that human plus AI approach. As we start to wrap things up here, do you have final thoughts or maybe predictions on how intelligence, safety, security leaders can team up with AI? Sam, let's go ahead and start with you. When it comes to how intelligence, safety, and security leaders are going to team up with AI or how they can team up with AI, it's going to be keeping up to date with the latest trends and keeping up to date on new tools, new services. We have to be continuously learning. Otherwise, we fall behind very quickly. Absolutely. And Steve, how about you? Anything to add? Yeah, I I mean, like when I think about the role of LLMs in intelligence, the term that comes to my mind and what I think we really tried to do when writing about this topic is to maintain a healthy skepticism about the technology. I think that paired with experimentation, which we tried to do to try to work through some of the examples and then provide that information so that readers, listeners of your podcast, they can go and experiment for themselves and make up their mind. Because one of the things that I'm finding and why I was so excited to work on this piece with Sam, who was coincidentally my student at the time and now is a graduate is that I, I find that I've heard very polarized reactions to ChatGPT in the last year. On one hand, I hear it is simply a toy. It is simply just something to play with and then post the results on social media to make a funny script, for example. I've also heard that it's game-changing, You know, going back to the conversation we had at the top of the interview. And I think that as is so often the truth, when it comes to any type of emerging disruptive technology, the truth is really in the middle. And I, I would emphasize to your listeners to really go out there, roll up their sleeves, play around with the technology, take a look at some of the examples that we provided and see if it fits your business's needs. Also going back to something we talked about earlier, the need to integrate into businesses and their own standard operating procedures. And that's really what I'd recommend going forward is to keep that healthy skepticism, give it a shot, and then see if it fits for your organization. 
Yeah, it sounds like waiting in cautiously, but being able to take that tact and, and jump in there and get your hands dirty with it is probably a good path forward. Sam, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know for myself, this conversation really hit home, uh, especially with combining kind of that human approach with the technology approach, which I think is tremendously important. And I love the tangible benefits of where you can leverage that approach in the intelligence space. So thank you so much both for coming on and sharing your research and findings. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Sarah. To learn more about Sam and Steve's research, check out the links in the show notes. We'll be back next week with more expert advice to help you protect your business and people. For video highlights from today's episode, just search for Alert Media on YouTube and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sarah Prattley signing off. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.